couple of summers ago, I was down uh, on the Jersey Shore with a uh, priest friend of mine. He, uh, yeah, he rents the place every, every summer for a couple of weeks, so I went down for a night or two. He, he always goes to Cape May. And um, I was reading, I guess it was the local, the local paper one morning when I was there, and it was talking about another town uh, further up on the Jersey Shore, Point Pleasant. And um, they were describing this program that the town was offering uh, that particular summer for kids. Uh, there were these nights on the beach for teenagers. Um, and it was an attempt to sort of get kids off the streets, an attempt to have kids hanging out in a good way. Um, so there were games and I guess like they had movies some nights on the beach, they had DJ, they had food, um, but they were dry. There was no, obviously, it was all underage kids, so there was no, no alcohol. And the hope was that this was going to be an alternative to kids drinking on the beach or under the boardwalk or wherever they were hanging out. Too much, too much partying going on. So they, they're doing this for a couple of weeks, I guess, this plan, this program, and they're starting to realize they've got this problem. Um, kids were showing up drunk. They were um, all getting together, or groups of them anyway, they were getting together beforehand, who knows where, and they were drinking. And uh, then they were crashing these nights on the beach. So you had some kids that were there kind of legitimately, they weren't drinking prior, and then they're now sort of being overrun by these kids who are all liquored up. And uh, so the article was like, how are we going to deal with this? This is not, this thing is backfiring. Um, kids were getting in fights, they were getting kind of destructive, and, and then there was this very simple quote uh, in this article, it was the, I think it was the chief, uh, chief of police. And uh, he said this, it was just this observation. It was nothing, nothing brilliant, it just sort of struck me. He said this, we found that kids who were dropped off or picked up by their parents have no issues and they're not drinking. Like, because somebody in charge is dropping them off and somebody in charge is picking them up. Like, in other words, if they're being watched, then there really aren't any issues, or at least a lot less issues, if they're being watched, they're being kind of policed, not so much by the police, but by mom and dad. But somebody needs to be watching them, right? Somebody needs to do the police work. Really, the point of this article was that the parents in Point Pleasant Warrant. They're letting their kids out before they go to the beach and they're not watching where they're going and what they're doing. Or maybe they're just looking the other way and they're letting them make their way back home on their own so nobody's checking them when they get in the house. I mean, dropping off and picking up is a pain, isn't it? <laughs> So they're just not doing it. 
about a week ago. This was funny, the irony of the timing of this. It was about a week ago, I was driving down. I was coming home, I don't even forget, I was like off the barrier island and I was, came off the loop and I was heading down here, I was on Park Avenue, kind of down by St. Mary's. And I'm at a red light. Um, and I see this group of maybe about eight kids on bikes crossing, heading south. So crossing over Park Avenue, uh, heading south. Looked like they were probably heading to the beach. It was probably about 9.30. And a kid had under his arm a I guess an 18-pack of Bud Light. And I looked, then I was looking, then I kind of looked, when I saw that, and then I looked, focused even more on these kids, because before I saw the, the beer, they looked, I mean, I just, they looked young. They looked like, you know, 14-year-olds that were just out on a summer night with their pack of friends. And then I saw the case of beer, and then I looked closer to see if I saw what I thought I saw, like, were they as young as I thought? And I think they were. Like I, they looked really young. And I was just struck by the, kind of the boldness of it. This kid is riding his bike and he's got an 18 pack of, like seemingly not afraid of being spotted. Now he's got his parish priest talking about it on Sunday morning. I don't, know, I don't know who it was, though, so he's safe. I don't know. I, uh, I don't have kids, obviously. I, I suspect, I know, you don't have to have kids to know this. I know that policing your teenage kid is, is work. It's pain. But isn't it really important work? Isn't it the most important work? Man, to go light on that just seems to me that's not a place to cut corners. If my 14-year-old is riding a bike with an 18-pack under his arm, something's not good. And I'm, I suspect I'm off the job in some respect. I remember uh, years ago, I was at a Little League game. This was in, in West Hempstead, which was where my first parish was, St. Thomas the Apostle. And I was at a, at a game, and I was, uh, saw this parishioner. It was a guy from the parish uh, who I knew pretty well. Um, he was a dad, and he had... Uh, five kids and uh, the fifth the youngest was they had later in life so they had, they had like the first four you know within a couple of years apart each kid and then there was maybe like an eight or a nine year gap and then they had this youngest guy so he was at his game which was the game I happened to be at so we're talking and so this guy was now, I, I, I think, maybe about 50, maybe even a little bit older at this point. He had like a, maybe the kid was about seven or eight years old. And we were just talking about, he was, you know, the kids and raising kids. And 
I guess I said something to him like, uh, are you kind of tired of being here? <laughs> like, are you, you kind of tired of being at these games? You've been, you've been sitting in the bleaches for a long time. And now, just the fact that he was, he was a little bit older than most of his, the other dads that were there. And, and he, uh, I just kind of said it. He must have said something that led me to say that. Like, you're kind of tired of, of this a little bit. And he said, uh, I always remember what he said. He said, yeah, you know, kind of. And then he like, paused for a second or two, and he said, um, yeah, no, he said, yeah, it's kind of gotten old. But then he looked over at his kid who was sitting on the bench, and he goes, but it's not old for him. He's eight. He's playing baseball. Like, this is, this is new. There's nothing old about this for him. Like, in other words, I think the father was saying, so I've got to be here. I should be here. Yeah, maybe, maybe I don't have quite the enthusiasm that I did with my first or second, and a bunch of years have passed, and that's probably a factor too, and, you know, repetition is real, and so I may not be quite where I was now, where he was, but he was totally there, because he knew he had to be there. Because it was his job. It was his job to be there. Isn't that in a way what this gospel is speaking about this morning, this kind of parable that Jesus tells? Isn't it just about a story about doing your job? Being committed to what you've been called to, to do and what you've been called to be. Just doing it and doing it right. Like rolling up the sleeves and doing your job. It's kind of what it says. It says, gird your loins, light your lamps, be like servants who await their master's return. Gird your loins, light your lamps. Like get to work. That's another way of him saying, stay on the job. Roll up the sleeves. Stay on the job. I remember I was, uh, well, this was also my first parish. It was St. Thomas. And I was probably, uh, we had a priest who was, he would come for the summer. He was a wonderful old guy. He was uh, retired. He was a teacher, uh, and he, was, he lived in Ireland. He was from Ireland and lived in Ireland, but he'd come here for the, I think he came for the whole summer, and he would cover for us while we would go on vacation, the priests. I really loved him. He, just, he was great company. I was now at this point in my maybe second or third year as a priest. I think in some respects the honeymoon was beginning to fade a bit, which I think it does in life, right? To some degree. Things weren't as new for me as they were in year one and year two. And I think in some respects I was starting to get a little sloppy, a little lazy. Um, remember when we would have wakes, a wake in the parish, you know, you'd have to go to do the prayers and I I was kind of getting tired of doing them. And this priest used to do them very enthusiastically. 
he'd often, he was very generous. Like he'd say, hey, I know you, you got to wake tonight. You, want, you don't want me to cover for you? And I'd, be, I'd jump at it. And I guess he saw that. He saw the fact that I was loving the fact that he was covering for me. And then one night, he came in from a wake that he was doing. And I was sitting uh, watching TV, and, he, and he, we're kind of talking. And I, I knew when he left for the wake, and then I saw when he came back. And it was like, it was like over an hour. I mean, a wake doesn't take that long, and the, the funeral home was three minutes away. So generally, you know, you're back in the house in 30 minutes. This was like at least an hour. So I said, well, I said Wait, did, you, did you go somewhere? And he said, no, I was just at the wake. And I said to him, um, you love doing wakes, huh? And he said to me, uh, no, not, not really. <laughs> Which then kind of surprised me. And then he said this, he said, Brian, so it was like, no, I, I, don't, I don't really like doing wakes particularly. He said this though, he said, but, but I know this, your mother only dies once. This can become routine for us, but it's not for the person whose mother has just died. It's not routine. So we can't be routine with it. He didn't even say that. He didn't even say, we can't do this. All he said was, your mother only, your mother only dies once. Oh, and then he said, so they, they deserve all that we've got. Something to that effect. And he just kind of looked at me. <laughs> and he didn't have to say any more. And it was absolutely his way of saying, you need to be more serious about this. Like, it was such a great corrective. It was such a great wake-up call. And I mean, I don't think I was being terrible. I wasn't like I was just blowing these wakes off. But I was just seeing them as sort of one more thing I had to do. And they deserve all that we've got. That was my job. And I wasn't really doing it to the best of my ability. So what's your job? There's the question. What's your job? And it's really jobs, jobs, plural, because we got more than one. But what's your job? Point Pleasant, New Jersey with those parents, like, hey, you need to be awake when they come in at night, or you need to pick them up when they come in at night. They're 15 years old. You need to take the, maybe the, the red Solo cup out of your hand and be more present to the fact that your kid's got one in his hand. Or this may not end well. So you need mom and dad to get back on the job. And I know it's work, but that's your job. And in West Hempstead, 30 years ago, it was this young priest who was being told, hey, it's your job to be present to these people when they're grieving loss. So get on the job.
Hey, maybe you're, maybe you're in high school and you've got a little brother or a little sister and they watch everything you do. They're constantly taking notes. You're like, you're a teacher without even asking to be one. So the example you set is going to be really important. Your influence matters to your 11-year-old brother. So you know what? That's your job, older sister, older brother. Not your only one, but that's an important one because it could significantly shape the life of your little brother or sister. Or you've got an elderly parent who just more and more needs help. And you know you're not present to them the way you need to be. And I gotta get more committed. And it is work. And they're often difficult. And maybe they're not particularly appreciative. But that's not why I need to be there. I need to be there because I'm their son or I'm their daughter. And it's my job to be there at this time in their life. Yeah, and I've been, kind of, I've been kind of mailing it in. Is there some job that you've been kind of mailing in? So, what's your job? I mean it, like, name it. And then go do it. <laughs>